say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Keep the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking face the crease. Davis again. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. What up, people? Bayheim! That's how we start shows now. We just yell Bayheim into the ether and see what comes back. Bayheim, 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 Bayheim. We're going to talk about Jim today. You know, it's funny. We would anyway. It's Syracuse basketball season. Like, we've been talking about Jim Bayheim since before I was born. Before Sports Talk Radio existed, we were talking about Jim Bayheim. We'll, we'll do more of that today. We have guests to talk about other things. Well, one guest to talk about other things. One guest to maybe sort of talk about other things. We'll see how that goes. We have an exclusively Terrence show today. Only Terrence's need apply. I'm going to pretend I did it on purpose. Because that's all you need to know about the matter. Coming up in 10 minutes, 9 minutes, 8 and a half minutes from now. Man, time is moving fast. we got to speed this up. Terrence Oglesby of the Field of 68 of Basketball on Television. We've had him on uh, before. Terrence will join us uh, coming up at 2.10. 2.10 today for Terrence. We'll ask him about Bayheim. Uh, you know, we've talked to so many people, you know, internally, and we'd love to hear from you today. If you didn't call in, if your thoughts have changed, it's an ever-evolving topic. 315-437-7644 ESPN44. Phone lines will be open for much of the uh, program today. If you'd like to uh, chat about Jim, about... What he said or didn't say or said then didn't say or didn't say then said again. I don't know. But I'll be intrigued to get Terrence Oglesby's, Terrence Oglesby's thoughts on it from someone with perspective outside the program, outside the area, but also someone that, you know, uh, does cover Syracuse. He has been on TV for an Orange game this season, so he's been up close and he's far away. So he has a little bit, I don't want to say more perspective, but a different perspective. On it. We'll get into that. Our other Terrence on the show today goes by Terry, but he is a Terrence. Terry Foy, he is the CEO of Inside Lacrosse. I guess that's been his title for a while. I didn't I didn't know Terry had been promoted so much up, up the chain there. He's been with Inside Lacrosse uh, forever. He, he covered the accuse uh, Vermont game last weekend. He uh, covers it all. He knows it all about lax. We'll do a little lax at three with uh, Terry. So looking forward to that. We'll call that. That's a little palate cleanser. That's a little palate cleanser at three, but uh, we'll, we'll Bayheim it up before and after. Got some uh, little research. We've rabbit holed it a little bit on uh, Jim here today. We'll get to this later in the show. On the yeah, at some sometime, someday, somewhere, somehow, there will be a different coach of Syracuse basketball. When, where, who, why? I don't know. And then time will pass after that, and you'll see where the program's at. We'll take some other situations that, at least in one way or another, are similar to where Syracuse is now and see how it progressed over a period of time. We will do that later in the program today. But, you know, last night, whatever, I I can't keep track of it all anymore. There was another uh, tweet uh, quoting Jim backtracking on something that got said in the hallway to Pete Thamel on Saturday. It's uh, it's a lot of going backward. Y- you can't go backward, though. I I don't care. 
Say whatever you want after what you said. What you said the first time sticks. And realistically, what you said the first time is what you meant. Now, to, now you may not have phrased it the way you meant it or whatever, but the general gist of what Jim said on Saturday night, I believe with all my heart, is what he meant. Both parts of it. That when he retires, is up to him. And I get it. There's other people that technically have higher job titles than him. But when he retires, is up to him. Yeah. I've never doubted that for a second. And the other part, like that Pitt and Wake and Miami and whatever, pick whomever, that they are buying players. Call it what you want. And I don't think Jim was saying that those schools were breaking rules. Call whatever you want. I don't care what you call it. That's, that is what happens now. It is legal now. It's within the rules. Call it whatever you want to feel good about life. I don't care. But yeah, now, the presentation of it all has uh, got us to where we are now. But this is the thought I had this morning. Hey, Jim, may I'm 78 years old. I believe, uh, call me wrong, I believe his oldest daughter has a, a child now, I think. I think that is a true statement. Doesn't matter, but... I mean, it does matter, but it doesn't matter in the grand scheme. If you're 78 years old, you're old enough to be a grandfather. I realize that, you know, we've just seen Jim's other children graduate from Syracuse here recently, but Jim is a grandfather. And what we've seen here the last couple of weeks, and who hasn't experienced this, this is, you know, you go out to dinner. This is your grandfather talking way too loudly to the waitress about something. That's all it is. And you're like, oh, Grandpa, that was a little loud. They heard you over at table too. And you know what? Grandpa don't care. He don't care. And why should he care? You know what? You've been through it. You've been through the ringer. You've seen it all. The stories may change. The details get less important. The gist remains. The details get less important. But you all get what Grandpa was trying to say. You may have to listen up a little bit closer, but you all get what he was trying to say. But your Grandpa, my Grandpa, whoever you're with, listener's Grandpa, like most of your Grandpas are in position to just be, you know, their Grandpa. And what they say, it matters, sure. But it doesn't. (laughs) It matters in the context of the next five minutes. Well, Jim's positioning is a little different. I think uh, Jerry Seinfeld somehow had this situation pegged and had it pegged a long time ago. What is that age that old people reach where they decide when they back out of a driveway, they're not looking anymore? (laughs) You know how they do that? They just go, well, I'm old and I'm coming back. That was Saturday night. Like, that's all this. Like, does it, does it mean Jim Bayon can't coach basketball anymore? No. Does it mean he should retire or he should be fired or any of this, all this stuff? It doesn't mean anything. But it's something. And I know this. We all we all care about it in one way or another because we, we all keep talking about it. And, you know, what? do do we know the iron can like plaid? Do we know? Is, is there a plan? Is there iron? Is it clad? I don't know. Does it matter? I don't know. We had an ironclad plaid once. And it's six years later. So where's it going to go? Impossible to say. 
Impossible to say, but I know you guys care about it, and uh, you'll have the chance to chime in later on in the program today at 315-437-7644. But right now we're going to take a break a little earlier than we normally do. We'll chat with Terrence Oglesby from the Field of 68 when we come back. We'll ask him his thoughts on Jim Beheim, And then, novel concept, his thoughts on Jim Beheim's basketball team. And then perhaps his thoughts on the rest of the ACC and country at large. It's always fun to talk to Terrence. We'll do that when we come back on the show today. Another Terrence, Terry Foy, talking lax coming up at 3. Your calls around that throughout our two hours together today on the 315, wherever you may be, Syracuse, Utica, Rome, or wherever you feel like being on QSportsTalk.com. We're back right after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am, rolling along on this Tuesday afternoon in the Qs. It's in the 40s in February again. It's confusing. Glad to have you all here today. Phone lines open, 315-437-7644. Get to a little bit of what uh, Jim Beheim had to say to Gomez this morning over on uh, TK in a little bit. But right now, uh, let's get to the phones. We bring in uh, Steve in Liverpool. Steve, uh, welcome. Uh, what's on your mind today? Well, you know, with all the brouhaha that's going on, um, I think Coach Beheim has some valid points because we tend to forget how many years ago when SU got punished for something that is now legal, where we had some players working for the Y, mm-hmm. down familiar, and they took away scholarships, which also impacted this program. And then the sad mellow situation, you know, uh, he was writing a, a basically a paper on his own life, and the NCAA, you know, basically uh, came down hard, and yet look what happened to North Carolina. Nothing. So I think there's a bigger picture behind the scenes here, and it's got to be frustrating for Coach Beheim because he's out there, he's doing the recruiting, but, you know, we had this kind of black mark on the program. Uh, yeah, Stephen, you're right. And, you know, part of the problem is the timing of all of it, like the NIL stuff, which is now uh, legal, was not uh, before. And, you know, there, there's part of it keeping it buttoned up and crossing your T's and uh, dotting your I's. But it is an interesting point, right, Steve, that, you know, like the stuff that uh, schools did forever, like the the, Car- the fact that Carolina got off scot-free, they, they made up a major, basically, and, like, nobody actually did anything, and then everyone it was just fine with it. Like, I, I guess you needed to make the problems bigger than the one Syracuse had, right, back, back in the day, and then everyone just let it blow over. Yeah, I think the result of those, you know, punishments, uh, it, that's what's happening to the program. I mean, look at some of the teams that Coach Beheim has put together into the Final Four just recently, and, you know, they're experiencing lack of these scholarships that are so important. And now with the NIL, you really have free agency out there. Uh, yeah, and Steve, thanks for the call. It is, it is free agency in college basketball. That's what it is. Um, whether And I realize some people are uncomfortable calling it that and don't want it to be that. And I understand why, but it is that. Like, that. that is what college sports is now. Now, unstated and really untold, and there, there's not the money to go along with it, but 
setting aside basketball and football, like almost every other sport has had, you know, it hasn't been called that. But almost every other sport has had a transfer portal. It wasn't called that and has had the ability to transfer and play right away for years and years and years and years and years. It's not new. Like, we talk a lot of lacrosse here. We'll be talking to Terry Foy of Inside Lacrosse coming up at 3. Like, in all my years of covering lacrosse, you didn't have to sit out when you transferred. Now, the rules have changed within conference. Like, it was not easy to transfer, like, within the ACC. Like, if you transfer within the ACC, you must sit out until your second-born child has arrived. Like, they had some odd, like, over-the-top stringent rules. But, like, if you wanted to transfer from Syracuse uh, to Hofstra in lacrosse or vice versa, pre-portal, pre-any of these rules, you just did it and moved on with it. Or soccer. Talking about, you know, soccer. Syracuse just won the national title, Ian McIntyre. Plenty of transfers coming in. They won the national championship on the back of transfers. And nothing about that would have been different five years ago. Not a thing. Where it has all just happened in basketball. What's the difference in basketball? The money. And the difference in football? The money. Why is it more complicated? The money. What is the answer to everything that is more complicated in college athletics than it needs to be or has been in the past? The money. If you have a question about college athletics to which you do not know the answer, the answer is the money. The answer always is the money. And there was years and years, there was a century of people fighting against, like actively spending money to fight against giving money to college athletes. And finally, that fight has been lost and given up in the whole thing. Finally, it took a really, really long time, a really long time to get to this point. And then you've got the difference with pro sports. There's no salary cap. There's no official reporting of it at all. So while it's all sort of, in theory, sounds like, feels like within the rules now, it is not, it, it, even though it's legal, it feels shady. Just because it's like only sorta it's sorta out in the open, but it's not, and it sometimes is and it's not. So it's it's all within the rules. And I know you're not supposed to offer kids money directly to go to school, but come on. Like if NIL was a thing, if if we were in the same rules of college sports as we are now in nineteen eighty it is possible that, like, SMU would still be a college football dynasty. The best backfield money can buy. The Pony Express. Eric James, or Eric Dickerson and Craig James. Craig Dickerson and Eric James. Combine them. Whatever. I don't care. They had them both. Dickerson and James. Like, yeah. SMU cheated their ass off. Totally cheated. Got caught death penalty. Under the rules today, SMU would have been hailed as cutting edge, and they did it first. They figured it out, the whole thing. Time and place. And the time and place has changed. The rules have changed. And if you don't change, and again, this is not saying Jim Beheim hasn't changed. It is, 
you know, everybody has their commentary about this stuff. But if you don't change, you're going to get left behind. And it's how fast can you change? How nimble can you be in the new environment? It's going to be really interesting. Really interesting. With that, we'll take a break. Much more to come when we come back. We will. A little palate cleanser of the whole thing. It's the It'll be the lemon sherbet of the program. We'll talk to Terry Foy of Inside Lacrosse coming up top of the hour. We like lacrosse here. We do. We swear. We like it. Big fans. There's just a lot of other stuff going on right now. Gary Gate hasn't said anything at all. That's really stood out noteworthy this week. Come on, Gary. Get with the program. Say something wild. Let's go. Where's Kayla Trainer at? Her opener's this weekend. Go on, Kayla. You know you want to. What's on your mind? Just let it fly. Let it fly. Take a break. Phone lines open. Your calls when we come back. 315-437-7644. Terry Foy, top of the hour. Lack stock. All that when we move along here today on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Rolling along here on this, what day is it, Tuesday? It's Tuesday. Is anything else crazy happen? Anything else happen? Of course, Jim Behan. It's getting ready for practice, probably. Actually, no. Are they getting ready? They're, they're traveling today. What day? It's Tuesday. There's a game tomorrow in Tallahassee. They, maybe they're wrapping up practice and getting ready to get on an aer- aeroplane now. Where's Al? Where's Al in the chat? He's all on top of Syracuse's airplane travel. I haven't seen Al in there today. Uh, they'll be flying down to Tallahassee uh, later today to play the basketball game tomorrow. You know who's going to be at that basketball game tomorrow? Well, a lot of people. Jim Beheim will. He'll be on these airwaves on Thursday at 1 o'clock on Orange Nation. Um, Eric Devendorf will be there. He's filling in from Jim Saddle on the radio broadcast uh, tomorrow. You can listen to that over on TK99. And a uh, friend of the show, Anish Schroff, will be there as well. Ironically, considering we just talked to Terry, I texted Anish this morning. Hey, we, uh, let's talk a little lacrosse. Anish is the voice of lacrosse on ESPN. He's also, you know, he calls other things. He's like, well, you know where I'm heading later today. Well, Anish is going to Tallahassee. He's going to the basketball game tomorrow. See, Jim Beheim is inescapable. So we'll talk to Anish. We'll, we'll hit him with a little axe, but he'll, he'll be there to cover the game tomorrow. So we'll talk to him about that. Uh, Anish will be on the show tomorrow afternoon at 3.30. Always good to talk to Anish. And as a breaking news, earlier today, uh, during the show, we have been communicating with Syracuse great Don McPherson. He will be uh, joining us on the show Thursday, top of the show, talking about the Super Bowl. It's always, like, any time, any day, whatever. It's always good to chat with Don, so looking forward to that on Thursday. But right now, you know, we've talked all this stuff about Jim Beheim and this and that and whatever. It's led it's led me to this. It's led to some research. It's led to some looking. It's led to some thoughts and it's led to this. Once again, Brian goes down a rabbit hole. I'm late. I'm late. Three very important date. No time to say hello. Goodbye. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. This time, I'll just go into the bushes over there. Make a lot of noise and flush out a rabbit. Hello? Hello? It's me, Miss Rabbit. Help! 
And down the rabbit hole we fall. And, you know, all of this stuff, all of this angst over what Jim has said or not said or this, that, and the other thing, it all ties back to one thing. Everything ties back to this fact. That Syracuse basketball fans are A, very invested in the program, and B, want to see the program do well and win games. Why? That's more fun. It is more fun to be a fan of a team that wins a lot of games, goes to the tournament, and makes runs. So, I think part of why people get all hot and bothered over all of this, and when's Jim retiring? What's the plan? Is it ironclad? Is it not ironclad? Is it contractual? Is it not contractual? Is it this? Is it that? Is he coaching next year? Is he coaching the year after? Who's he coaching? Where's he coaching? Because people want to feel secure in the future of the program. And when you've had a guy like Jim that's been here for 47 years, he is now, at this point, he is the entire history of the program. Which doesn't leave you a lot of markers for where the future can go, because you don't have anything else to lean on. So, what I have done is I have gone and looked at some of the greats, some of the all-time winningest coaches and their programs, and then gone five years in the future. Not one, not two, five. That's a, that's a big enough gap, right? Five where you're regardless of if it's a assistant that takes over or something, you have cut ties with the past in a long enough gap after five years. I went and looked at six, six programs just to see what happened when your Hall of Fame coach, where your all-time great coach, where one of the all-time winningest coaches is now gone and gone to the level that they're no longer looming as they can still be a shadow over the program, but they're no longer like right freaking there as a shadow to the program. So this is kind of in the reverse. Um, this is not reverse chronological order. This is reverse wins order because I was looking at the all-time uh, list of winning his coaches. Now, obviously, recently, we don't know what's happened five years down the line yet for Coach K. We don't know what's happened five years down the line yet for Roy Williams. Those are the two most recent cases. We're in year one of John Shire and year two of Hubert Davis. And yes, Hubert Davis went to the national title game last year, but we still don't know yet if what he is doing is going to be sustainable. We don't know if what Shire is doing yet off of Coach K is going to be sustainable. It could be, it might not. We don't know. So the most recent one that fits into this category of, you know, the all-timers, Jim Calhoun, Connecticut. Connecticut's done very well this season. Connecticut won a national championship after Jim Calhoun left. But Jim Calhoun's last year was 2012. He won the title in 2011 with Kembo, retired after 2012. He went 20-14 and 14 that season. They went to the NCAA second round. You know, shortly after that, Kevin Alley comes in. They win the title in 2014, yada, yada, yada. But five years after 2017, Kevin Ollie was 16 and 17. The year after that, another losing record and fired. So that's one in the column for who? Be careful what you wish for. Indiana, Bob Knight. Uh, he didn't retire. He was um, required to leave the circumstances after the whole choking a player thing. Or whatever it was he did. Was he choking? Was he grabbing? The neck was involved. There was a lot going on. Bob Knight, last year, 2000, they went 20-9, and NCAA first-round appearance. Five years after that, now Mike Davis took over. He made it to a national title game in 0-2 against Maryland. Like, 
a god-awful national title game. My eyes are still bleeding from that one. But he made it. But by 2005, 15 and 14, I believe it was one more year for Mike, and then he was gone. Kentucky, we're back in the 70s now. Adolph Rupp. They play in a building with his name on it. Adolph Rupp, 1972, 21-7, the Elite Eight. Five years after that, Joe B. Hall was the coach that followed Adolph Rupp, for those that did not know. Well, five years after that, Joe B. Hall went 26-4. and four. Kentucky has been, over time, one of those programs where, yes, the coach matters, but the program rolls on. Carolina, they're going through it now, and we don't know. They went through it before after Dean Smith retired. He retired in 1997 after a Final Four trip and a 28-7 and record. Bill Guthridge came in. They were pretty darn good for a while. But by five years later, when Matt Doherty was the head coach, they went 8-20. Five years later, 8-20. Obviously, it's bounce back. Maryland, lefty Drizel after 86. Len Bias dies after that season in the draft. Davis or Drizel kind of, you know, got forced out of the position or whatever. After that, Maryland missed six of the next seven NCAA tournaments. Arizona, Lou Olson, retired after 2007, 20 and 11. 2012, Sean Miller had him 23 and 12, but he was through interims and whatnot. He was the third coach in that period after that. Now, what basically all of these programs have in similarity, save for Kentucky, though the end result for Kentucky is the same, what all these programs have in similarity, regardless if their program was kind of made by the one guy, like Jim Calhoun made UConn basketball, Bob Knight made Indiana basketball, like Carolina basketball's been good for a long time, but Dean Smith was there for a long time, like Lute Olson was Arizona basketball, is that even if they dipped, and many of them did have dips, after five, after some period, they found their way back up. Like we talk about Carolina, five years later, 8-20, and 20, they found their way back. Indiana, down. Now, we can argue if they're back or not, but... They had a very successful run there. They were a number one seed when Syracuse beat him in the tournament. So the path for all of them has not been smooth. And we like it to all be smooth here in Syracuse. We want to know the exact plan. We want to know the day. We want to know who's next and all that. The plan for none of those schools really went smoothly. But long term, all have been fine for the most part. How does Syracuse fit into that? I don't know, but I found it interesting to go back and look. How do any schools that might have had this same or similar situation, how have they handled it? What has happened? And that's where it led me. It's not a definitive study by any means, but it's one where it shows whenever Bayheim steps aside, this year, next year, five years from now, 20 years from now, I don't know. There could be some bumps in the road, but if Syracuse can follow the pattern of these other high-level all-timer basketball schools, which Syracuse has been under Jim Beheim, then they'll have a chance to be all right in the future. With that, let's get back to the phone line. Wayne remains in the truck. Wayne, what's on your mind today? Well, uh, I think there's one that you might have missed, too, is uh, Roy Williams leaving Kansas. Uh, they They just kept chugging right along. Yeah, they brought Bill Self in and, I mean, didn't miss a beat, and if anything, got better. You know, I didn't, I, I, I was in remiss to consider that, but yeah, they didn't, like Kansas, Wayne, they didn't miss a beat, right? Like, Bill came in, and they were fine immediately. Like, it never went south for Kansas. And I'd say Kansas kind of fits in the same category as Kentucky, right? Like, regardless of head coach, and they've had some great ones, like, Kansas is never down. <laughs> Kansas is always up, regardless of who's there. And, uh, so I think it might speak more to 
who, who the hire is as opposed to who the who the leaving uh, coach is. It might be who comes in next. Yeah, that matters most. And you know uh, what I mean? Uh, that could certainly Wayne and uh, Wayne is always uh, thanks for the call. Like it, it it could mean that, and, and hopefully you, you know you talk about like Carolina, Kentu- Carolina and Kentucky and Kansas for sure. Like those are certainly three of the Mount Rushmore schools of basketball where it hasn't really mattered who the coach is. Big picture, long term. It it hasn't really mattered. Big picture, uh, long term, who the coach is. And they've always had an extra one. Like Kansas, you know, Roy left for Carolina. And like Bill Self in, and he's still there. It's quite literally, as we know, it is 20 years later. 20 years on since Roy coached his last game there. And they have just kept uh, chugging right along. Haven't missed a beat. Have not missed a beat. With that, we'll take a break. Final wrap, final thoughts. What's on tap tonight when we come back here? It is QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Closing on the end of the show, the hour brought to you by ICM Controls, Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks, and William Matar. Hurt in a car? Call William Matar at 444-4444. People yearning to talk to me right at the end of the show today. We will try to cram them in here in the last few minutes. Tony in Liverpool is here. Tony, what do you got today? Hey, Brian, I just want to say, vote. I want to put my vote in to keep him. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't be his friend. I don't agree with him politically. I don't like his snarkiness. But the guy can coach. If he had North Carolina's talent this year, they wouldn't have the losses they have. He's, if anything, the man's unlucky. He should have won it all in 87. He could have won it in 96. And five minutes to go, John Wallace fouled out. Uh, this year, I mean, he, he does it with, uh, with magic. I'm sorry. He's a good coach. Well, who do you want to get? Calvin Sampson? Tell me he doesn't break the rules. What Beheim says, listen, you may not like it. You don't like the way he says it, but the man's right. Uh, other schools are doing it a different way. Uh, I just think it'd be foolhardy to replace him now. And the fact that he's 78 years old and still functions the way he does, to me, it's amazing. So that's my opinion, and I've been dying to get it out. Thank you for the time. Hey, Tony, I appreciate, appreciate the call. And, uh, you know, that's not an unreasonable uh, thought. Like, Jim Beheim still knows basketball. Like, I don't think if anyone is trying to say that Jim Beheim has forgotten basketball, then, like, I, I don't I don't know what you got. Like, you can, like, as far as actually coaching basketball, like, like that's not the debate we're having. If anyone's having that debate, I, I don't know. All right, uh, Jay in Beeville. Jay, welcome in. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction here. Quite honestly, number one is the product he's putting on the floor has not been good and has not been good for years, okay? He, he could coach, I guess, at one time, but, it, but, but like everything else, everything's at its end, okay? Now the guy is calling out other ACC programs, telling them that he's bought, he, he's, that they're buying players. Uh, he's called them out. He's had to retract that. Now he also goes to his number one guy, Weitzman, and tells White, basically says that his number one guy 
isn't spending any money. You know what I would do if I was Weitzman? I'd simply do this. You know what, Jim, you're right. I'm going to focus all my energy and efforts on the football program now. I would also, if I was Weitzman, make a back backdoor call to uh, the AD, and I would tell the AD, you know what, until, this, until you get rid of this guy, all my NIL concentration is going to be going to the football program. That's one way you get, out, get him out the door. The other thing, if, if I'm the AD, what are we paying the AD for? He's making between 500 and a and million dollars a year. He's supposed to make the tough decisions, Brian. He's supposed to make the hard choices. He's supposed to find a candidate. And, and, and to be honest with you, he got showed up by Beheim by saying that it's Beheim's decision and Beheim's decision alone to, 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 for him when he, when he walks. That's BS. That doesn't work in any other, any other profession, okay, in, in, in the area. Now, lastly, everybody's saying, who do you want to replace him with? How about we replace him with the Colgate coach, who's currently 17 and 8, 10 and 1 in the league, and has absolutely owned SU the past two years? How about that? You know what, Jay? There you go. Uh, Matt, thanks for the call, Jay. We're up against you here. Matt Langle's a really good coach. Jim Bayheim would say that, and I'm sure he has. Matt Langle can really uh, coach it up. You know what? Our last two callers, both diametrically opposed, they both have points that are reasonable. Go figure that. What's on tap tonight? I don't know. Do whatever you want. LeBron James, he might get the NBA all-time scoring record tonight if he scores uh, 35 points. That might be on tap. Nishiroff on the program tomorrow. Asin Kasim of the Tallahassee Democrat. There's a basketball game tomorrow. We'll talk about that. What's on tap next? Axe on the block. Right now, QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio.